I may just get drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. This is episode 174, and today we are joined by Brendan O'Leary, the co-founder and one of the owners of True Respite Brewing Company, and our great, well, I mean, Brendan is a great friend also, our <laughs> other great friend, Jim Bachman, the is it director of marketing? Director for, of communications. Director of communications for the Brewers Association of Maryland. Um Graham has made it clear that if you are watching this, that I am to let you know that it looks bad in his opinion and zoomed out because we are keeping the six foot rule and um, everyone, uh, mics have been sanitized and everyone is safe because um, we are going to be talking about, like that's one of the things we're talking about is COVID-19 um, how breweries are coping with what unfortunately could be the new normal for quite some time and um, ways that the community can help breweries, um, what brewery employees can do to help themselves. Uh, we are not lawyers, so we'll just read from a website on that. Um, and in general, just what is the state of craft beer under this new uh, executive order from the governor that tap rooms have to be closed for in on-premise consumption, um, to-go sales are still okay, and I think everywhere. Is that correct, Jim? Yeah, so uh, right from the top, all of your breweries in Maryland are still able to sell beer for you to go. Uh, everybody is able to offer you a way to come in, pick up prepackaged beer, and take it home with you. The limitations are that you're not able to consume on-premise or gather there, uh, and you probably won't be able to enjoy uh, tasting flights or samples. Um, There's some stuff up in the air about whether or not groups of two or three people are still able to tour the facility. Uh, I think the guidance that the Brewers Association of Maryland is going to push forward towards our members is it's probably not worth having those tours. Let's just go ahead and make sure that we're offering that retail option to people uh, and get them out out of your brewery so everybody can stay safe. Well, and I think even from the standpoint of, you know, reading what experts are saying for squashing this or the common phrase used, lowering the curve, which – which I don't see, I, I haven't seen that explained often enough, I think. Like, everyone's saying we need to flatten the curve, but I've never actually seen on the news anyone say what that means. Do so you, what it, what's that? Do you know what it means? Yeah, yeah, oh, I know okay. what it means. But you're a math geek. Do you want to explain it? I'm a math geek. Well, you're an engineer nerd type person. It's in, it's all about infection <laughs> rates. So if you if you can get people distanced enough, then you infect people at a slower rate, which means less people all at once need access to medical services, which means our capacity for our medical services may or will be sufficient. Um, If we just let this fly through the population all at once, the need increases um, almost instantaneously and our capacity does not meet that instantaneous need and people will die. 
Yeah. And when you're looking at that plotted on a graph, you end up with this curve. And the sharper the angle of the curve, the The, higher it's going to go. The idea is to keep that angle short by slowly having this move through the population instead of a huge boom. And keeping it manageable. Right. Because we are um, woefully unprepared for these sorts of um, pandemics and responding from a healthcare. I think globally we've seen that just about everybody was woefully unprepared. uh, And I think that that's going to trickle into our conversation today because this is not something that businesses truly expected to ever have to deal with in the way that we're dealing with it. Yeah. I mean, seven days ago, if someone said, this is where you're going to be in a week, I would have been like, get out of here. (laughs) Well, three weeks ago when people said this is where we were going to be, people were arguing that this was made up news on the media and that the media was solely responsible for getting people hyped up. And it's Graham's fault. We had a lot of internal conversations within our organization. And, you know, I try to keep a level head when I hear this stuff coming in. So my personal reaction was, well, let's see how this plays out instead of jumping to a, a foregone conclusion that this is going to be bad. Um, but that, I think I was trying to, think about that in a pragmatic way right realistically not really hearing the things that we needed to hear from the people who we expect to hear it from didn't help that situation it made it seem like the pragmatism was a much better idea than really flipping the switch and going hey it's time to to mobilize and get ready yeah so well the point i was going to make before going into the like the explanation of what flatten the curve means and everything even if by the letter of the decree and regulations like you could give those small tours and things i think for the greater good (laughs) it'd probably be best for no one to do that and what a lot of experts are saying too is that the more strict we are with the social distancing personal isolation and avoiding each other the pain period is going to be shorter that if we it's kind of like ripping the band-aid off it's going to hurt really bad for a week or two but businesses have a better chance of surviving long term than if we try to do little things like that to trickle in money and then this just extends longer and longer and longer yeah i mean having groups together in any sense is not such a good idea. Like people sitting and having a podcast. Uh, hey, we are <laughs> appropriately socially distanced here. And, and none of us shook hands. We didn't hug each other. We all did the delbow or didn't greet each other at all. And, and now I'm sanitizing yeah. my esophagus, so everything is fine. And thankfully, our advertising director here went out. I, I don't know how many stores she went to, but she gathered up enough sanitizing wipes and sprays and stuff for the fnp to be properly uh decontaminated the fnp hand sanitizer is a blessing right now Mm -hmm. Uh, i have not left my house or gone out anywhere without carrying that and i am constantly squirting my hands let me reapply now oh i just sanitized my beer So, as a quick aside, uh, I work for Grown Fortify, and we also represent the state's distilleries and wineries. I was actually, I think you're bringing up what I was going to just uh, talk about. We have too. a lot of distilleries throughout the state who are working with local restaurants and even local counties at this point to try to yeah. develop a way that they can use byproducts from their production process as sanitizers that can be available to consumers and to uh, cities and uh, county governments. 
So some really interesting things are happening with how much people rely on the alcohol beverage manufacturing industry. It's a lot more than just, hey, we need beer and we and need And it's being spirits. done, like, f- for the distilleries, it's being completely done selflessly. Because Absolutely. they're... They're donating they're this product donate, They're dona- donating it um, because I shamelessly promote uh, Frederick. Tenth uh, Ward has already been distributing uh, hand sanitizer that yep. they've made. McClintock is making, I think, their first batch of it this week. Uh, and they're working with officials on where the best places to make their donations are. Um, And then starting next week, they have like a huge delivery of um, the ingredients being delivered so that they can make hand sanitizer in in bulk. For anybody who hasn't visited McClintock, they've always used this byproduct as a cleaning product in their distillery. Yeah. Uh, which is very cool. But they extended that to some downtown restaurants in Frederick. Oh yeah. I forgot that part. Brandon was uh, going around delivering. Yeah. And 10th Ward also, uh, was delivering this. So the, the byproduct is the heads of the distilling process, which is something that's a denatured, uh, alcohol. And it's it's not not, safe to drink, but it'll kill everything. Uh, but at its alcohol rate will literally decimate any bacterial or viral, uh, concern. So, Spreading this throughout the community is is really great, and it's showing that these industries do serve more of a purpose than people really give them credit for on the surface. Yeah, and it it, it points back to it, it's always talked about how the craft beverage industries are so community focused, and it's just yet another example of that's not lip service like the the men and women who open these businesses do genuinely care about their communities. There would not be such an effort on community revitalization in these industries with making making your town a destination for people to come and visit is the first thing that a lot of these guys think about, guys and gals, I'm sorry, think about as soon as they open their business. How does how do I become a destination that people want to visit and how does that impact the community around me? There There's no way at all that people entering the distilling industry, the brewing industry, or opening a winery they're not there's no way they're not thinking about that it's at the top of their mind and i'm sure that you guys thought about that when you opened community is a pillar of what we do and it's it's how you guys cultivate what you have going on Mm -hmm. in your company and it's right now is the time for for marylanders to think about that when they're thinking about how they're going to spend their money yeah so we're going to take um a real quick sponsor break and we come back i want to um i'm sure you have a lot of insight to this jim um Brendan, you definitely would, but let's give fans of craft beer a rundown of what are the best ways they can support their favorite um, Maryland or just uh, breweries from the region to help them weather this hopefully short, horrible time. Let's do it. So um, we'll be right back. Roast House Pub is introducing their new curbside pickup and home delivery service named From Our House to Your House. You'll be able to place and pay for your order on Facebook and at RoastHousePub.com. You can also call them at 301-418-6098. They will be offering a limited menu that includes some of their signature meals as well as ones designed to help boost your immune system. As an added bonus, they will be able to deliver beer and wine with your order. They will also be offering incentives to purchase gift cards that will help them with cash flow they need to survive. 
Please refer to their website and social media channels for gift card details as well as days and times of availability. All right, so tap rooms are closed for uh, on-premise uh, consumption, which unfortunately is the way a lot of um, breweries make their money. And if if I say anything now that's wrong and or something, oh, I will correct, correct you. me. I, yeah. I assumed you would. Both of you would take complete glee in telling me I'm wrong. Um, and a lot of people, I think, feel like breweries print money or are flush with cash. Unfortunately, it's the opposite. That it's a very capital intensive um, industry. So. There aren't huge cash reserves that most breweries are sitting on, especially newer ones and smaller ones. So they need help. Yeah. And I mean, one of the one of my biggest pet peeves, honestly, when I'm interacting with the general public is when people walk in and they do mark that, right? They make that impression like, wow, you guys must have a lot of money because they look around and they see, look at all the construction you did, look at um, the equipment you've purchased. And it's yeah, like, that's why I don't have a lot of money. Exactly. I'm like, what you're looking at is all the money I spent, not the money I have. And um, I only got as much money as I needed to start operating. I didn't just go out and take loans for extravagant sums of money and just have it sitting there in a bank account somewhere raining for a rainy day and paying interest on it. That's not a smart way to run a business. Um, so yeah, all, when you walk into a brewery and you see all the beautiful equipment and the finishes and everything, that's money that that brewery spent. It's not money they have. And that's important to remember during this time. And those aren't necessarily, uh, liquid assets that you can turn around yeah. and, and have print money for you by taking things off the wall right. or, you know, selling tanks that you need to continue your production. This is, uh, this is something that is an ongoing, uh, use for that brewery and it doesn't translate into to available cash. Um, so the first thing we've already mentioned that people could do is take advantage of breweries, um, curbside pickups. Um, I'm going to work on compiling a list that I'll post on our Facebook page and keep up to date on, um, the uncaps website. Uh, but also, I mean, everything's changing so rapidly I think the best way to get information about your favorite brewery is just to go directly to them. Look at uh, their social media. Everyone's been keeping that up to date. Social media is huge. Like the website is a pain in the butt to update, right? And to put new, what who knows what infrastructure is in place to make updates to the website. That thing is a, a dinosaur that's yeah. there for you to see the beer menu. Um, follow social media if you want to get real-time updates on what's happening at, at breweries. We're working to compile a list of who has curbside available and what potential there might be for some of our businesses that are able to offer you delivery save services. The work and just send that to me? Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, <laughs> it's going to depend on feedback that we receive from yeah, our yeah. members. And right now there's a lot of stuff for our members to consider and to be doing. And, and I'm that, not sure how, how readily available that information yeah. is going to be. And that's why my first thought was I would email, like I would start trying to contact people. Then I was like, the, the last thing anyone who runs a brewery needs is someone else bothering them about something. So I've been trying to do it just by looking up everyone's Facebook posts to see what they're doing. And that's obviously very time consuming. <laughs> and, and uh, I've mentioned it before my real job at the newspaper 
um, is in the IT department here. And as you can imagine, as people want to work from home, that has put a, quite a bit of strain on my time and my availability to do any uncapped stuff. So, um, that when, may... when I have that list, I'll share it with you. So, yeah. So why don't you just do that for me, Jim? You don't have anything better to do right now. No, this not at all. <laughs> might be a pretty decent segue to talk about beer me. I think this is probably a perfect time to, um, talk about beer me because they always talk about, um, necessity is the mother of invention mother invention and that a lot of times catastrophic events will birth new technology new initiatives um and thankfully you were one of the first people i thought of talking calling to talk about this issue because little did i know you had a humongous announcement to make brendan so why don't you uh yes tell people about the new uh, initiative so we just launched a um, platform that connects customer and brewery directly called beer me it's uh, spelled b-i-e-r-m-i um, you can go to beerme.com and check it out currently true respite is the only brewery on the beer me platform but that hopefully will be changing over the coming few days um, this was a concept uh, that really just recognized the place and time that we're at um, bars and restaurants are closed we don't have the ability to sell pints which are obviously our highest margin um, uh, item that that really selling pints in a tap room is what sustains probably the vast majority of breweries in maryland that's the number one source of of, of actionable revenue yeah, unless um, you're a brewery that's been around forever that built their brand off of distribution. So, if yeah, if you're a larger brewery who's a volume brewery yeah. and you have small margins but you have huge volumes, um, your tap room is probably more of a uh, marketing thing because it's just such a small percent of your overall revenue. It's a great place for people to come experience your brand, become familiar with your products, but you're not wholly reliant on it just to pay your rent. Yeah. Um, whereas the smaller you are, the more likely it is that you are wholly dependent on pints just to pay your rent. Um, we are definitely in the smaller category where shutting down our tap room eliminated about half of our revenue total right off the top. And, um, as people are staying indoors now and not going out in public, they're also not buying from retail liquor stores and package stores, which means our wholesale business is taking a hit. And as we talked about, you know, breweries are, are very capital intensive projects and the money flows out quickly. Like you might look around and come in on a busy Saturday in the tap room and be like, wow, there's a hundred people here. They're selling beer at seven bucks a pint. They must just be printing money. But they, that has no understanding of the amount of money that just flies out of that building on that same day um, for debt payments, for, for equipment and for construction and, and all the different ways that we spend money, rent, labor, insurance, um, distribution. You pay huge margin, like wholesale prices, we cut 30% off our wholesale prices when we sell through a wholesaler. So there's margins on margins that are lost um, through through those sales. And it's incredible how much beer you have to sell in order to just break even um, in a business like ours. So recognizing that all of a sudden um, we've been shut down and there is no more opportunity to sell these huge volumes, um, we had to find a way to keep beer moving. And we developed the Beer Me platform as a platform that will connect consumers to breweries so that breweries can direct ship straight to your doorstep, uh, locally brewed, delicious, independent craft beer. It's awesome. So by connect, um, 
throughout the state they could use that to a brewery signs on they can use that to order their curbside pickup if they don't have their own like currently a e-commerce way to make that happen yes um we're working on the infrastructure to there are basically two different options you can choose curbside pickup or delivery okay and then delivery will be dependent on regulations on that that current area because some place some places in maryland are allowed to some places aren't it requires special permission it's a very fluid situation at this point we can talk more about that and i know that jim is probably going to have a different perspective than i will and what i'm going to say is um it's important for brewers to listen and make their own decisions i guess i should say so when faced with the kind of unprecedented crisis that we're in there is there are paths you can take that will lead to your business existing and paths you can take that will lead to your business not existing and it is up to each brewery to make their own choice about how they proceed. To that end, uh, I guess I'll interject <laughs> a little bit. Um, I wholly respect Brendan's state of mind on that and his thought process. Uh, just so everybody else who's listening is clear, there are some very uh, ingrained realities about what the law says that are, people are able to do. Um, fortunately, I know that Brendan's company is going the proper route through the legal channels and what options do exist for breweries to deliver are that breweries may deliver to consumers so long as their local off-premise ability i'm sorry their their off-premise ability is governed by a local authority so if you are a brewery that has the ability to sell beer to the consumer for off-premise consumption and that ability is granted by a local liquor authority that local liquor authority has the ability to extend your to-go feature to a delivery feature. Many of the breweries in the state are governed by a state statutory guide that says you may sell beer to-go. And the state has officially taken the position that due to that, they are not allowing delivery. So there's this very odd back and forth. Is your local liquor authority the one who governs your ability to sell beer to go or is it not if it is talk to your local authority and they may be willing and able to grant you a delivery option Uh, if you are one of the breweries that holds a license that says the state governs your ability to sell beer for off-premise consumption then right now you're not able to deliver and if you're in montgomery county you're fortunate because Brendan just this morning received clarity on how to make that happen for your brewery in Montgomery County. Let me take a step back first and say that I made a a suggestion that breweries make their own decisions, and I want to be clear that before I knew this was going to be legal for us, we had already made that decision anyway. So I am not preaching from a place of uh, I'm not being a hypocrite. I just happen to be lucky that I'm a uh, class seven brewery with a class D license in Montgomery County. And um, I can vouch that he told me that same thing yesterday and found out this morning that he can do it legally. <laughs> so, y- yes. So now talking about... Uh, Obviously, none of us are qualified to give you legal advice on what you do with your business. Correct. Now, um, there is definitely a, a, an L, a Spartacus element to all this where if enough breweries stand up, 
and um, do what they have to do to keep their business afloat? Is there really a belief that the state is going to crack down on every single brewery who fought to keep their business alive during a time when we were otherwise mandated to be shut down? Once again, you have to make your own decisions. But I am going to tell you which, which license types in Montgomery County can do this legally with the proper um, authority. So I just got an email this morning from ABS. It says, in Montgomery County, holders of the following class alcohol licenses can apply for administrative approval of delivery rights on your local retail license. Holders of class B beer and wine, holders of class A beer and wine, holders of class B and D beer, wine, and liquor, and class D beer and wine may apply for an alcohol beverages retail delivery permit from the Montgomery County ABS free of charge and they're waiving state um, license change fees as well. That's huge. And anyone listening involved with a brewery is going to know what that means. And I don't think the rest of us need to. Yeah. We don't get need to get into the the license levels and what, what any of that means. Cause uh, the people that affect are the ones who are going to know what that means. And for people that listen to these podcasts at one and a half speed or more, go back, slow it down, and listen <laughs> to all of those license types. <laughs> because Montgomery County is doing something that is directly meant to benefit the businesses that operate there. Frederick County, I understand their liquor authority is doing whatever it can to bend over backwards for our brewery members and members of the distilling and wineries industries. Um and I believe that most of the counties around the state are doing what they can and what they feel is legally their right to ensure that people have every option to get beer, wine, and spirits to their consumers. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how Montgomery County went from like one of the worst places to operate um, an alcohol producing company to one of the best. They were, I think part of the impetus is being so bad that you have to make a lot of changes. (laughs) And then there was a culture of change that was developed in Montgomery County where it became uh, a real vehicle for progress and other places where they feel like they've done good enough all along. There's no real impetus for change, you know? Frederick County, the only other place I've paid any kind of true attention to how they've operated, but the the liquor board and... Um, Frederick County has been also very progressive uh, recently. Yeah. Within the last one, two years or so, I'd say maybe three or four. Okay. Uh, we have a couple of folks who have matriculated out of Frederick County's, uh, liquor authority and into state office. And it was, uh, Jesse Pippi was one of the the impetus for starting that. It was very nice to have a, a young thoughtful mind on the Frederick County liquor board, um, that was able to help progress what was happening with the industry all right so i think you already said but how how do people give um how do people get to beer me one more time and I also put it in the show notes so it's an easy click sure beer me is just b-i-e-r-m-i.com um currently true respite is the only brewery on the platform if you are a brewery who's looking to open up direct to consumer sales for delivery please reach out to me um, the developer is my best friend in the entire world. He was the best man at my wedding. He uh, is a small portion owner of True Respite. And this platform was developed um, by us together. Uh, I helped feed him what features are necessary, what questions he's going to have to answer. 
um, and uh, how kind of to structure the, the thing. And he coded it in uh, less than 48 hours from scratch. I thought he had used our pre-sale website as like a skeleton for the architecture to sort of build off of. He scrapped that entire thing. He stayed up and coded for 19 hours straight starting 9 a.m. Saturday morning. And we had a go live release on uh, Monday at noon. Um, and I have, you know, at least a dozen deliveries I'm making this afternoon. I haven't checked obviously the platform in a while, but the deli deliveries are rolling in. This is a platform that is speaking to people. It's a solution at a time of crisis. And um, we developed this originally just as a platform to manage our own direct to consumer deliveries. And I had built up uh, very quickly a pretty immense amount of guilt realizing how powerful this tool was in, a, in, in this time of need. And I, I felt that I couldn't just keep it for true respite. Like it felt wrong to have built this tool and not let others use it. Um, and it, it just created this opportunity to make a business. And Brian, the guy who coded the site, he's not trying to profiteer off this, although there is opportunity to make money down the road. But his intention is while this crisis is ongoing, he's going to make it free to sign up and free to use. And after tap rooms get back open again and breweries can get back up on their feet, if you want to stay subscribed um, for on-premise deliveries, then you can, you know, pay a certain percentage of your sales as a just a subscription fee and you only pay for what you sell. And it, it'll probably go on into the future that way. But for now, you know, if you want to access consumers and you want to get in front of a bunch of people quickly and you want to sell beer, uh, this is a platform that I would be inquiring about. Um, well, he's probably motivated so quickly to do it to help save his investment. I'm sure that was part of it. Yeah, he's well, an altruistic friend. I mean, I, that was. I mean, sure. Actually, the motivation was more to help his best friend, which it can yes. be a great motivator for working hard. He is an incredible guy. He has always gone out of his way to be the one to be the supportive one. Um, and I finally have an opportunity to give a little back by referring people back to him and. He's going to help people in this time of need. And then hopefully in the long run, if he's built a platform that shows value, um, then, hey, you know, everybody wins. And that's kind of how this thing's going. All right. So basically everyone should contact you about Beer Me. People who want to buy beer and people who want to sell beer. So As far as I'm aware, this is the only um, platform, the only marketplace that directly connects consumer with brewery. There are other retail purchasing platforms where the website has a retail license. They stock beer. They ship beer. This is not that. The yeah, consumer so buys directly from the brewery. The transaction goes directly to the brewery. This is only a marketplace for connecting consumer to brewery. It is not a retailer. It is not a distributor. And all of those websites where you are able to ship beer, unfortunately, don't operate in Maryland yeah, because they, it's illegal to ship beer to a consumer in Maryland. Um, only if you do not have a local retail license approved by your local liquor board. True. With custom direct del delivery, as we covered. Which very few of the outside <laughs> websites have had that, and we saw that, unfortunately, with some of the larger ones in the last few years. Um, that said, I, I really applaud what Brendan and his, uh, his investment team and the folks at True Respite were able to come up with. This is a totally innovative way to draw the consumer back into the fold of what the brewery can do for them. And I think this speaks directly to the conversation we were having about community earlier. This is the community coming back and returning what they can do to a brewery. And I, I think it's an awesome idea. All right, we're going to take a, uh, another real quick sponsor break, 
and then we can talk about other things uh, the consumer can do to help breweries and then um, give uh, the really just what we have found on websites that maybe direct um, brewery employees that have been let go um, ideas of where they can go to get help. District East now offers curbside pickup and a personal shopper service to pick your favorite beer and wine. They're instituting a policy of social distancing by bringing your order to your car. Their hours of operation will stay the same. This is their small way of trying to reduce gatherings of large groups of people while still delivering the service their customers have come to expect. You can view their inventory at www.districteast.beer to place orders you can call 240-651-0500 as well as calling and texting 240-367-4961 and 240-367-4149. You can stay up to date with their offerings on all of their social media channels. Vanish Farmwoods Brewery may have to close their tap room, but you can still get their beer to go. They will be open for to-go beer sales of four packs and crowlers seven days a week from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Please follow them on their social media channels for up-to-date information. At Vanish Beer on Instagram and at Vanish Brew on Facebook. So um, another thing I've seen listed is uh, to go online and purchase gift cards. Is that a good option for consumers to continue to support or does that kick a can down the road that kind of could be potentially a problem the intention behind that is incredible obviously get out spend some money even if you don't need beer buy from your local brewery and honestly that message is heard loud and clear and we so appreciate the sentiment Um, and if that's all you can afford to do there's no more room in your fridge for beer you don't even drink beer i mean those are great options um the issue with gift cards is this um because beer is perishable, and we don't know how long this is going to last. Oh, I didn't think of it from that, that angle. That if you purchase $25 of beer now, and that beer goes out of code, and I have to get rid of it because we didn't actually sell it, I then have to brew the next beer that I'm going to sell you uh, for purchase with that same gift card. So my material cost has doubled on the purchase that you made, and I may actually end up losing money on that transaction depending on which product you're purchasing. So for non-perishable goods, gift cards are incredible. For services, for um, uh, you know, not, like non-perishables, canned foods or whatever, like those are all things. Toilet that, paper. Toilet paper. <laughs> gift cards make a lot of sense. When you're talking about perishable goods like food and beer, um, there is no substitute for buying food and beer. All right. So um, from that standpoint, about b- beer possibly going bad during this time, um, I'm going to say something that potentially could be something that they don't want said to everyone, so prepare yourself for an awkward jump cut if I find out this shouldn't have been said. Oh, boy. Um, but I was talking to the owners of McClintock yesterday, and they told me to that in discussions with any of my contacts with brewers that they are willing to work with breweries if they have product that has gone bad or is going to go bad, that they will either purchase the beer from them split set like whatever whatever makes sense for them and the brewery to use the bad beer as a base to produce spirits um i'm going to check to make sure that they would want that 
completely <laughs> talked about in a podcast. Um, and uh, you have piqued my interest. So I think that that's a responsible way for a distillery to support a community that they're already closely tied to. Collaboration is no yeah. new uh, surprise yeah, between and the brewing they, and distilling industries. They've, they've done that a lot just as a collaboration right. way. Because you, I mean, the the spirits you produce from distilling beer are interesting. I yeah, would really like to see the first fruited sour distilled uh, <laughs> oh, brandy or something like that. But So... Um, Oh my goodness! The opportunities, the potential there—that's a—that's a very interesting idea. So that—that's also, I mean, if you're a distillery listening, and I haven't edited this out, um, <laughs> that—that's a—that's an interesting thing for you to also pursue during this time. Chris Sands is your new B two B salesperson. <laughs> I, I I don't even require a commission on this. <laughs> we'll just blast it to the public. Yeah. Um, Okay, possibly returning from an awkward edit. Um, so jump cut. So the the uh, gift cards good, but not necessarily a perfect way to support a brewery. But if it's the only way you can, it's obviously the sentiment a, a is bet. much appreciated. Yeah. And if if that's the only way you can do it, then we would appreciate your help with cash cash flow at this time. Yes, yeah. that's the virtue of a gift card. It it supports cash flow at a time where it's desperately needed for a lot of these small businesses uh but brennan hit the nail on the head there is there is no substitute for buying that perishable good today yeah and for people that don't believe in the fact that beer is a perishable good and we see that a lot out in the community where the idea is hey i can sit on this and drink this whenever or i can trade this whenever and it's still going to hold yeah. its, its value as a great beer uh i have a long history of experience in the brewing industry and as a sensory person i can 100 percent tell you beer is Ooh, a perishable a great good I'm, uh, I'm not saying i have a great palate i'm just telling you in my experience beer has a a death date oh yeah it definitely does although to counteract that i will say this goza from monument city brewing that fell into the back of my refrigerator in my office um is absolutely delicious six months later my it was probably better six months ago thankfully i didn't try one back then um but six months later now it is still really really good and another beer that held maybe it just goes as that hold up really well beach drink was an uh, amazing beer even yes in december I, I know i may have had the last one in like in january and it was still i think fruited sours hang beer. on for a lot longer than other styles because i agree with you it, they, something about just makes them more stable, I guess. I don't know. My intent was not to say that beer can't be stored. Yeah, I'm yeah, simply saying that I actually just wanted to. Like, I love Monument City. I love what they're doing, and, and say this that beer it stands yeah, up well. Yeah, and this beer is really, really good. My goal is to ensure that people understand that <laughs> now's the time drink, to though. drink the beer that our breweries have available. Yes, don't wait and don't yeah. don't hoard beer to give away later. Like right now is the time to drink it. Yeah. And, I mean, what better way to pass your time than just... Uh, yeah, you're home. Let's go. Turn it on. How else are we going to get all those babies in December? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. That's another 
problem I didn't even think about. There's probably going to be another huge baby boom. Oh, weird. The, <laughs> the name is Coronials. It's already out there. Oh, <laughs> I hadn't seen that yet. Okay, so on the lighter side of things, because I am truly close to panicking and just completely um, scared to death of more of the financial fallout of all of this and partially that I will die if I contract it. Um, but I think we can all agree the memes have been amazing. Me, yeah. The meme game is going hot right <laughs> now. Absolutely fire. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I, that may be the only thing that's keeping my sanity is the steady streams of people sending me memes that have been hilarious. Like the best one I saw today was – actually, I think my wife sent it to me. It was a picture of um, – I can only think of his singing name. Childish Gambino. What's it? Um, uh, Glover. Yeah, Donald, uh, Glover. Don, Donald Glover. Donald Glover in um, Community, like wearing yeah. a wearing a suit and looking real prim and proper. It says New Year's Day, twenty twenty, and then three months later, a picture of him carrying the AR fifteen during the <laughs> um, This Is America video. <laughs> Dude, I, I I'll be honest with you, and this is lowbrow meme culture, but I'm into the toilet paper memes these days. Like uh, I like the one where there's the woman, the doctor, who's talking to the the patient. She says, "I'm sorry, one. but it's confirmed you have COVID nineteen." And he replies, "That can't be true. I have three hundred rolls of toilet paper." Yeah. <laughs> I showed that to my wife last night. <laughs> <laughs> that one stuck with me. I like the toilet paper memes. Um. So in probably one of my most awkward transitions, can um, I interject one more meme thing? Just because I think it's kind of yeah, hilarious. Absolutely. I have a friend who strives to be the meme lord, and all of his posts are about how his grandkids will remember him for being the one sharing memes. <laughs> <laughs> Is it someone I know? No, it's not. Uh, okay. I'll put you in touch, though. He's a hell of a guy. Yeah, have him send me memes. I want to hear this awkward cut, though. I Let's get weird. <laughs> um, so a lot of people are losing their jobs. Um <laughs> Uh, that and, was a really bad way to do that. Well, it was the, I I called it out, but that was the next thing we were going to talk about. Okay, um, that was my fault. I did that. It was your fault. It made it was much more worse by the two of you interrupting the awkward cut. Um, so Jim was reading to, from a website from a slate earlier. Um, there there are if if you have been laid off or if you've been fired. Um, What's the website that you're reading from? Do you have that ready? Uh, I didn't give me just a minute. I'll have it ready. Um, So unfortunately in all of this, there there are a lot of people that are going to lose their jobs. Um, Well, that's definitely a big concern. Yeah. It's almost like on – for the reasons we talked to you before, like breweries, restaurants, I mean the entire hospitality industry, it's not a huge margin – they're not huge margin industries. Not a lot of places are going to be able to carry their employees. So there are resources. Hopefully there will be more done by our elected officials to help people through this. But for now, um, what was the – did you find it, Jim? Can, can we pull this up to like the 30,000-foot view yeah, first? Yeah, absolutely. So right now there is a big question across the brewing industry, the distilling industry, and the – the wine industry along with all other hospitality industries and probably every industry across the country. Yeah, I mean the news, question newspapers is, are ad driven. I'm what, scared. What relief <laughs> is going to exist once this thing kind of blow not blows over, but once once the concern for this thing has died down a little bit and we start to see what everyday life used to look like. Yeah. 
what relief will exist for these businesses and for the people that are impacted. There are calls out there about mortgage payments, rent payments. How are landlords and, and mortgage companies supposed to secure their money through these processes? What exists out there for insurance payments? Everybody's questioning how this is going to impact them and their wallet. I think that after this, there may be a much bigger conversation about the tipping culture that we have in this country and the fact that all of our hospitality, uh, at least at restaurants and bars across the country, seem to be a tip-driven job. I think that those bigger conversations are still to come. Right now, I think that anybody who's employed at a brewery, a winery, or distillery, or was employed at a brewery, winery, distillery, or restaurant who's concerned should look at what options are out there. Cursory searches on the internet will find you resources. One resource that I found very quickly was workplacefairness.org. They have an FAQ section that covers what options there are for people who are facing hardship due to employment. Some of the things that are on here give guidance about when unemployment insurance can be secured. And some of that guidance even includes having been a full-time employee at a place and now working a part-time schedule. So it's not necessary that everybody have been fired or laid off from their employment. It looks like there may be some options for people who have just shifted their employment from a full-time position to a full or a part-time schedule. So I would encourage anybody to look at resources. I know that there is a a group, a bartender's guild that exists across the country that has money socked away for emergency planning and hardship for people in the bar industry. I'm certain that there are probably similar things for servers, but it's going to be overloaded across the country. We're talking about yeah. Tens of thousands this isn't of a restaurants Maryland thing. in New York City alone are going to be closing or laying people off. Uh, this is not a situation that is limited in its scope to what's happening here in our state alone. So, and I don't think it was mentioned before, but um, when people like Brendan are worrying about their business and its sustainability during these times they're not selfishly just concerned about themselves. They genuinely care about their employees too. So anytime you see breweries talking about like ways to support them and help them stay afloat, they're talking about keeping their employees uh, in as whole as they can. Also, there is not a brewery, a winery or a distillery in the state of Maryland that, could do everything that they're capable of doing and succeeding the way that they are without the whole team. And I think Brendan would probably echo that sentiment uh, that the business requires everybody. We, we yeah. started having this conversation actually casually before the podcast started. And one of the statements I made is that I never would have hired a single individual on this team if they weren't critically important to operations. Um, everybody's there for a reason. They all do a very important job and we are doing our absolute best to protect the people who came to work for us and show up for us every day. Um, you know, like I, I have my own existential terror about what's happening and what the state of our business is going to be and where, you know, how am I going to pay myself? I mean, like these are questions I have, but I, I haven't also forgotten that my staff are feeling the same way and they showed up for us and we're doing our best to show up for them. And that honestly was another motivator behind Beer Me. Like we have to keep operating. Yeah. We need to keep hours going. We need to keep people working. We need to find ways so that the people who 
put in the time and the effort for us and who cared um, when it was more than just a paycheck, like we have to give back and we're doing our best. It's hard, but we are doing our best. If this part needs to be edited, so be it. But I want to ask a question. Yes. You currently operate on hours that are more limited than what your license allows. Mm -hmm. Have you considered extending hours for curbside pickup? It would have to translate to more sales. Sure. So we're evaluating that. I mean, the answer is that curbside pickup's been running for like two days. And I'm not sure that everyone was... Each day that we get deeper into this, um, people are taking it more serious. And it's clear that the need for this sort of service is more important. Um, And I think that we're... I expect that we're going to see sales numbers reflect that reality. Um, I mean, up until like Sunday, we had the tap room open. It's Tuesday. So... You know, it's tough to say what our our hours are limited for now. If they are steady, if we hear consumer complaints like, hey, I wanted to get here. I would have bought beer, but you weren't open. We're going to respond to those things. But for now, we have to assume that people are at home. And if they want beer, a five-hour window is good enough. And then we'll see. And uh, speaking of five-hour windows, I haven't actually publicly announced what our drive through hours are yet. So if I guess I can do that now. On weekdays, it's 2 to 7. On weekends, it's 1 to 5. That's the brew-through curbside pickup. Uh, uh, pickup window. Okay. So some of our um, largest breweries in Maryland uh, aren't taking that route, at least yet. I'm sure they're looking into every possibility. Um, But so like, for instance, Heavy Seas made a post about their decision to close um, to protect their their employees, protect the community from the spread. Um, and urging people to visit their favorite local beer store, liquor store, wherever they purchase from a retail establishment, which as of nat- at the recording of this are still permitted to be open. The beauty about the industry is that it has evolved from an industry where wholesale and into retail was the only option that truly existed. The downside to that is we now have a bunch of small businesses. I mean, we're talking about almost 100 breweries throughout the state of Maryland now that are all looking at how their business is going to be impacted by the fact that they can't welcome guests into their their building anymore. Yeah, We can't have you here to sell you things that, as Brenda mentioned, have a higher margin for our business, are going to help us to be able to reinvest into future endeavor, are going to be able to help us keep the lights on today. The concern here is how do we keep our business whole or at least partially whole in a marketplace that has shifted literally overnight. And some of our members made the decision that we understand the value that we have on our retail side in our tasting rooms, but our business before that was built on the relationships that we'd built with hundreds or thousands of uh, retail partners who have supported us prior to our ability to do this. And several of our members have chosen to reinvigorate those relationships by ensuring that that is the method by which you're able to get access to their beer. And I think that that is a very responsible approach um, for those regional or larger breweries who see that that's the way to do things. It's good for their business. It ensures that their relationships stay whole. It gives them the opportunity to maintain their footprint in the marketplace, and it shows that they have faith in their retail partners and the people who have put faith in them. I think there's an important conversation to be had there, too, about relationships with re- uh, with wholesalers um, as, as smaller breweries. I mean, wholesalers cannot 
direct-to-consumer ship. They don't have retail licenses, period. Um, and so they're relying on retailers to remain open and sell beer and make purchases. And I can tell you that we're with Other Side Beverage for most of Maryland. They were a new distributor who opened in Maryland in November. So these guys are especially vulnerable at this time. I was on Because also another very capital intensive. Very capital intensive. Super low margin. They rely yeah. on volume. Um, and uh, they're, they're, they're relying on their retail customers coming through and purchasing beer. So um, we let me qualify what I've, what I've done with Beer Me and say I'm not trying to cut out retailers because, honestly, if, if you're going out to a local retailer and you're purchasing True Respite beer, you're supporting the retailer and you're supporting True Respite because the thought is that they're going to come through and purchase beer as well. Beer Me is an additional avenue where if you're quarantined at home, if you're deciding to self-isolate, if you're, you've got kids, you've got, you know, you're, you're out of work, you're, there's a million reasons why someone might prefer home delivery, especially because in Maryland, beer is not sold in grocery stores. It's not a convenience purchase. You have yeah. to make a dedicated trip to a liquor store. And if you're a very cautious person, you rather have the beer show up on your doorstep rather than go out in public. It's a great option. Beer Me is not out here as a retail killer because our retail and our wholesale partners are both critical to our success, and I want to see them make it through the other side as well. I mean, we depend on other side for sales in the vast majority of the state of Maryland and Delaware. Yeah. So, I, so I think what you're hearing here is, again, this this option for delivery or curbside is a supplement to what occurred when breweries were open to the public and were able to generate that revenue directly inside their four walls. Exactly. This does not replace what our breweries have seen as their model necessarily. This is to, this is like a a quantitative easing almost for a brewery. This is a way for them to maintain a revenue uh, model that would otherwise be shuttered based on what's happening around us in the world. And um, so if, if you are one of those people that are operating probably in the way all of us should in a extreme um, caution and you don't want to even go into a store there are retailers such as if you're in frederick district east you can go onto their website they have their entire inventory on the website um i don't have the numbers handy but it would be a lot easier just to go to their facebook page or instagram and find them they have three phone numbers you can call uh place your order pull up to the front and they'll bring the beer out to you so to once again help with the social with social distance or social distancing i can't remember the terms Mm -hmm. keeping away from people i actually did this last night with district east and it was a seamless transaction um i was able to order maryland made beer a virginia made beer and a beer made by a brewery who now has a brewery in maryland and showed up right to my car no problem it was awesome is there is there any way for retailers to deliver to home? There are retail avenues for retailers to deliver to home. And right now, based on what we understand of the local licensing, um, if the local authority has oversight on your to-go license, you should be able to request delivery. Okay. And the best of my understanding is that almost every retailer in the state has a local sales license which is why consumers have the opportunity to go and uh, offer their feedback about license renewals to local liquor authorities. So, so long as that retail license is governed by the local authority, that local authority may extend 
the delivery option. So in theory, a liquor store would be able to get permission to. It sounds that it. way. Okay. What about services like Instacart or DoorDash? Or they're all running. Uh, I did try a Drizzly order last week, and they canceled. What's Drizzly. Drizzly is a nationwide service that basically does similar to what okay. Beer Me would advocate. They uh, bring in the order, send it to a local place that has a delivery license, and that delivery would come to you. Okay. They suspended everything for at least two weeks. Okay. They are um, a retailer. They sell the beer themselves. They stock the beer themselves. So uh, that's okay. different than Beer Me, which is a brewery-to-consumer direct platform as opposed to a middleman. Gotcha. Is that how Instacart – no, Instacart is kind of like direct to the sell. Like, I don't understand how Instacart works because it doesn't seem like a business that could have a sustainable business model to me. Like the the financials don't seem like they line up to be. But I also haven't really looked that into it. I don't know, man. We built Beer Me in 48 hours. I didn't yeah. spend much of that time researching <laughs> other people's businesses. so Especially ones that are not honoring their deliveries. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so forget them. <clears throat> Um, so in another bit of bad news, Jim, you have an announcement to make. Yeah. Uh, kind of a bad way to come towards the end of this podcast. Well, I'll, um, why don't, why don't we come up with something to tell me I'll record something to put in the beginning to make that announcement also. So this morning, uh, prior to coming in and recording this with, Chris and Brendan, uh, the Brewers Association of Maryland, through our efforts with the city of Frederick, have come to the very tough decision that we need to cancel the 2020 Maryland Craft Beer Festival, which was scheduled to take place on May the 9th in Frederick on the Carroll Creek Linear Park. We were very excited about this year's event. Uh, We had plans to expand the footprint from the traditional Market Street to East Street location. We were actually going to jump East Street and continue further down the creek towards uh, East Patrick. How were you going to do that? We were working with city police to monitor traffic and to allow the crosswalk to work. We were going to have additional security at East Street on both sides so people could pass through. Uh, We were going to use the Mark parking lot as the new staging area for large brewery use. We were going to have some live music over there, additional vendors, food, bathrooms, the plan was to make this event larger and more comfortable than yeah. it's ever been. Uh, we had some great success doing that in Baltimore this year, and the goal was to do that again in Frederick. Unfortunately, we we cannot sustain the mission of BAM without healthy supporters of the industry and without healthy members. And that's our number one priority is yeah. making sure that everybody gets out of this on the other side so that we can all enjoy great local beer together when everyone's healthy and that's i mean hopefully by then it would be safe to have something like that but a lot of estimates do not look like it would be even safe to have a gathering like that will in that time frame we'll continue to work with the city of frederick we're working endlessly right now to figure out whether or not there's another time on the calendar that they feel comfortable for us to announce a 2020 event in frederick yeah. We do have the Baltimore Craft Beer Festival still on our uh, calendars for November. Let's all hope that this does not become something that we have to address then. Uh, that said, if there is a date that we feel comfortable and the city feels comfortable having us uh, host a gathering for almost 5,000 people, which is what we were hoping to have this year, we will uh, announce that. 
uh, per our statement on our website and all of our social media. Anybody who's already purchased tickets to the event will be contacted as soon as we have a plan, uh, whether that's refunds or rolling these tickets into other events. Um, we're we're going to think about those things and make sure that everybody comes out of this in a way that's beneficial. Um, I can't remember. Why did it stop being held at Harry Grove Stadium? It was this way is... too big for Harry Grove. Okay, that's why. As we continue to add breweries that's throughout true, the state. Is it, those last couple years there, it was... Putting 10 by 10 pop-ups on the concourse yeah. got full. Uh, lines for people to wait didn't become safe if some people were on the, the steps going down in yeah. the seating. Uh, other issues were that they couldn't expand onto the infield and outfield anymore. They had given breweries all the space they could really hold. Yeah, uh, It went from there to the fairgrounds to allow for more breweries to participate. And... The fairgrounds in Frederick are a, a great location for a lot of events, but they're not a great location f- necessarily for a beer event. Now, Carroll Creek is perfect. The size of what we have. And what better thing is there in Frederick than the downtown environment for people from all over the uh, – I guess the region. We have a yeah. lot of Pennsylvanians. We have a lot of Virginians. For folks to come and congregate in Frederick, the Carroll Creek Park is is the place to be. I agree. Um, I hope that uh, another date can be found because that is definitely one of my favorite events to attend every year. I always have a great time, sometimes too good of a time. When when the Maryland Craft Beer Festival comes back to Frederick, whether it's this year or it's our date next year, we wholly expect that it's going to be the best Maryland Craft Beer Festival that people have attended. Well, that's something to look forward to. I have something else to look forward to. What would that be? So fans of our brewery probably um, remember from last summer we released a sour ale that we brewed with Gushers. Didn't you make it on the worst beer blog for that? Oh, hell yeah. Twice possibly, (laughs) actually, I think. (laughs) So there was a really great meme, actually, on worst beer blog that showed our brewer, Kenny, um, and he was was unwrapping all the Gushers, and he had all the packets on the floor around him. And someone had Photoshopped in, like, a snack pack and some Go-Gurt, and like a ham sandwich or something and said, thanks, mom. This is a Lunchables. Yeah. And they're like, thanks, mom. This is the best lunch ever. (laughs) And we passed that one around. That was good. I like that. Um, But Fruit Crushers is coming back. We were planning to do it originally for our anniversary. Um, This time we're just going to do it in the middle of this crap storm. I was going to curse. Can I curse? I don't care. Go ahead. Shit storm. In the middle of this hashtag. Did that feel good? Hashtag shitstorm, shitstorm, shit. So I, I said you could say it, not celebrate it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like five. Um, Obviously, you're putting fruit crushers in the beer. Fruit crushers in the beer. Like the, the inner five-year-old me is in full display. So uh, we are doing fruit crushers again, and we're doing a new variant this year, um, very berry fruit crushers, which will have blueberry, blackberry, and raspberry. Ooh. Not just For the, the discerning palate. That's correct. So if you are a person who, you know, Chases different flavor varietals, rare, fr- rare gushers. No, you have to say variant. That's the way to rare, make it rare, fly off the shelf. Yes, rare variants <laughs> of our fruit crushers, gushers sour. Um, it is coming back, and it will be on the Beer Me platform. Wax dip the cans in wax dip the cans in really cool colors. Now that's an idea. Limited we'll a, edition. I saw it done. You've seen it done. Really? I've seen it done. Do a limited edition wax dip. Mm-hmm. 
Saw barrel aged stout and wax dip cans for thirty five dollars a sixteen ounce can the other oh day. Oh my goodness! I was going to touch my face. Don't touch your face. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh wow! <laughs> Do it, um, man! Glittery wax. Oh, oh stop! Stop, please. <laughs> he's he's not going to be able to contain himself <laughs> much longer. Um, all right. So while that's cool, um. I think Chris might... wants to Chris wants to get his mention out there. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And there's something even better to talk about. It's not the only fruited sour beer we do. <laughs> not the only one. And not fact, the best one. <laughs> well, that depends Here on. Here comes the Yeah. Uh so last year we did Beach Drink, um, which was a strawberry lemonade goza. And it was delicious and it featured none other than uh Chris Sands straight on the can. Which I'm I'm asked often how I convinced you to put my face on a can and i don't think people believe me when i tell them that it was actually your idea well you didn't let me take it back to be fair i didn't <laughs> i yeah. did ask him that question <laughs> that is true you did try to take it back and then i would i was I like oh it. you know i don't know if putting a person on the can is such a good idea because we try not to do that with most of our can art people look at the can and they say yeah but that's not me i don't relate with that and because it's just someone else who doesn't look like me. If you're a woman or you're a you know, minority or, or something like that, then you look at the uh, white guy on the can and you're like, it's bro beer. <laughs> <laughs> but alas, we put Chris on the can anyway because he's an iconic figure and an no. absolute influencer in the no. American craft beer sphere. I have and no influence. He has totally earned his place on the front of that can, regardless of how many times I, times I tried to take it back. So <laughs> this year we are doing a uh, beach drink only we're doing raspberry beach drink and you can look forward to that coming out probably early summer you blazed the trail for him because now his face is on every collaborative beer that he does there's it's like a requirement there's yeah. a, it's not a requirement it just keeps happening uh-huh there are three and there's a fourth one coming <laughs> see he has the count man <laughs> well i had to run it through my head uh, there is there is one can that doesn't have my face on it it's like your times man of the year <laughs> I mean, really it's the only accomplishment i've had in life so i'll take what i can get how many beer cans am i <laughs> yeah. just another tick mark on your beer can belt now no, you're the first oh that's right you never forget your first yeah never the forget. first cut is the deepest yeah <laughs> <laughs> and 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 now that it's being rebirthed it's the first one to be brewed twice so mm -hmm. it's reincarnation is real yeah so are you going to use existing labels or are we redesigning for 2020? What's happening? Uh, that's a good question. The art is not in development yet, although concepts have been tossed around. Um, I don't know if we'll go adjust some colors. Definitely, instead of strawberries in his drink, there will be raspberries this time. So I can assure you that that change will be made. That bold decision has been made. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know yet. Wait and see. They'll still be as beautiful as ever. Mm. <laughs> We need Chris in a in a slingshot monokini. That's the Ooh. last thing anyone needs. I disagree with that. <laughs> Give him that full Borat treatment. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. So let's talk about something else then. <laughs> and I actually, we think we've covered everything that we sought out to talk about, haven't we? Yeah. The only thing that I would add to close this out is that in the next few weeks, uh, it looks like people are going to have some very limited options for how to spend their money. Um, everybody's going to be very considerate about what's happening based on the fact that it's pretty uncertain. If you have the ability to go out and purchase anything that's not an absolute necessity before you go and make a decision to just buy beer, consider buying Maryland beer first 
Uh, I also think that that should extend to anybody who's considering buying wine or spirits. We have hundreds of businesses in this state that are relying on you to help them weather the storm. Yeah, um, They're coming out with innovations that are meant to help their communities. They've already invested in your community. These are your neighbors. These are people who rely on your business every single day. And, and I, can't, I can't stress it enough. I can't remember like the statistics and per- percent. I just touched my face again. Um, the <laughs> I, it's it, it's so see with difficult. the sanitizer yeah. immediately. You touch your face, he's, <laughs> he's gonna clean himself. <laughs> the, um, during uh, like small business uh, day, they they always talking about like when you, when you buy local, spend local. That the percentage of that money that stays local is way larger than if you buy from a non-local place. So to help, if, if you want to help your local community through this time, staying local is... We talked about this earlier. Um, a lot of local alcohol manufacturers in particular have made community building a pillar of their business. We have invested as much as we possibly can, time, resources, uh, marketing, into uh, elevating local causes and, and, and community building, and we're in a time of need. And so I, you know, I humbly ask that people really consider supporting your local alcohol manufacturers at this time and giving back um, to what we've tried to do during times where, that were not so rough. To, to Chris's point, the folks that are earning wages are local. The raw material demands from a majority of these breweries focuses on local. This is going to have an impact on local agriculture, local value-added businesses that are malting grain, uh, businesses that are processing hops. I mean, these are businesses that are going the to require they use, local like artists that are that are used to generate can art and and local marketing firms that are building out plans for these companies. Podcasters. This truly is a local endeavor. And the idea that it's anything less, I think, is is absolutely wrong. The, these businesses are our businesses. Um, will the Brewers Association of Maryland be keeping up to date on their social media as there are changes to what can and can't be done? Will you be posting that publicly, or is that going to be more directly to your membership we're dealing with both sides of it we gave some general advice um last friday when the first round of guidance kind of came from the state all of that changed yesterday uh and through yesterday afternoon we were communicating with our members how we want to handle uh that communication our biggest goal was to let people who have already purchased passes to maryland craft beer know what the outcome was going to be uh, we came across as a little quiet on that, but we had to ensure that we weren't going to cut off a big fundraising opportunity for yeah. our association if we were able to hold it. Uh, but we didn't get word until yesterday that it really was not an option. Um, in the coming days, we will modify our message a little bit. We will put out guidelines about what consumers can expect when they go to uh, their local breweries, and we will ensure that our members are all up to date. We're hosting all of our information and resources at our member websites, and they're directing to Grow and Fortify's website where we have kind of cultivated um, everything that we have for each of our members to uh, read through and and understand. And the best way to keep up to date what your favorite 
uh, Maryland local brewery has going on is most likely to check their their social media channels because that those are more likely to be updated than their websites. Yeah, I would I would point every beer consumer to the brewery that they are most interested in getting information from. Well, yeah. we'll try to compile that stuff. It's going to be a little bit more of a lengthy yeah. process. Like I said before, I'm going to stay tr- up to date. I'm going to try to do the same thing, but things are changing so quickly. It's best just to if you have a question that needs answered about a specific brewery just look at their social media or contact them directly because i mean as we've seen like today is completely different than what friday was so who knows what tomorrow is going to be the only other thing i'm going to ask is that if you're sick and you love maryland beer please just don't go to the breweries yeah and I, just wait a no, couple of days please stay in your house yeah don't, don't go, go anywhere, anywhere but certainly please stay in your house <laughs> beer is a great thing and we're asking you to come spend your money at maryland breweries but if you're sick stay home get better we'll see you when you're when you're healed and uh we can't wait for that all right so um thank you gentlemen for taking your time to come in happy st uh, patrick's day yeah oh, yeah i forgot like that that's another depressing thing it's like oh, st yeah. patrick's day and there's not a single celebration to be had. Chris, we were literally <laughs> going to have a party called O'Leary Palooza, and we had to cancel it. Like, that was my party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I forgot to order some Fightin' Brian, which I told you how much I love. Like, have you seen that can? It's so amazing. I, I saw it because Brennan was sharing the artwork from local artists the other day in a conversation on <laughs> Facebook, and people were asking about how they can get good local artists engaged, and he used his experience to guide those people. We use all local artists. I mean, our flagship can, um, Week Away, was done by an artist in, in Jacksonville, Florida, and Scrum and Hooker was also done. But all the rest of our cans um, are all local artists who live up and down the 270 corridor, Rockville to get, uh, Frederick. Awesome. Well, there is one celebration going on for St. Patrick's Day, and that is Dropkick, oh, Dropkick. Was, <laughs> Dropkick Murphys is going to do a free stream tonight. So Graham took me Tune once to, uh, to dro- see the Dropkick Murphys for my birthday. You know who's not shipping up to You're Boston? A good friend. He yeah. won. He won tickets uh, from Elliot in the morning. What, was it during Ooh, that nice. show or just from DC One Hundred One in general? It was Elliot. In fact, he gave me the four tickets because I said I was taking for your birthday, and then he was like, "Oh man, I'll give you four. And I said, "Oh, I'll bring my wife." He's like, "Never mind. Maybe I'll give you two. <laughs> That's hilarious. And your mic's not on, so I don't think anyone heard that. Um, <laughs> I kind of heard it. <laughs> it was an awesome show too. There was like. Um, a, just a few hundred people at it. They were the only ones in place. There wasn't some garbage opening act that we had to suffer through. Was this at the and arena or was this at a club? N- no, it was in a um, a bar in S- Bethesda, like yeah, the in a ba- DC, NDC. Like then, yeah, like a small b- small venue. Um, I have a video posted on um, YouTube of the first time they played. I don't remember what song it is now. <laughs> no, it wasn't that one. It was the, no, it's the one about a rose. Um, rose yeah, ro- oh, the, it was the first time they ever played. Ro- I think that's it. I could be wrong. And they 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 said this is the first time we're performing this live. Put your phones down. We don't want to see this on YouTube. That prompt. So I uploaded it Put to your YouTube. Phone yeah. Wow. <laughs> and we wonder why Dave wow. Chappelle puts everybody's phone in a <laughs> Ziploc bag before you're able to get in. I mean, well. 
I mean, I was already recording, so that is in the video also. Um, mm -hmm. But in the second you tell me I can't do something, I'm probably going to then want to do it even more. Which is why I've been rubbing my face constantly. And so thank you. So uh, thank you everyone for watching and listening. Uh, please support your local brewery during this time, and hopefully we can quickly be back to normal. Cheers. Wish you all the best. Thank See you, you guys. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to McClintockDistilling.com for more information. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.